Hi, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode of the Pre-Med Perspectives. We're really, really, really happy to all be back together again for episode eight. I know it's been a minute um, since it's been the four of us, but today we wanted to come out with this really, I think we want it to be very insightful, but it's this episode about how to come up with a four-year plan for your pre-med experience, especially if you're an incoming freshman. I know as a freshman, it was so overwhelming for me to make a schedule. I really didn't know anything. I didn't, I don't have an older brother or sister, so they couldn't really guide me with this. And to be completely honest, sometimes the advisors can be a little bit confusing. So before you go to your orientation or you schedule your classes, I highly, highly recommend you give this a listen. And if you have any questions at the end, make sure to DM us and our DMs are always open. We can always answer any specific questions that you have, but we're going to try to keep this a little bit more general. And of course, as always, we have our timestamps at the bottom to better your listening experience. So like I said, um, it's really helpful to have a four-year plan before going into med school or before you apply to med school, just because the MCAT is one of those tests you need to take before you apply to med school. And Isha is going to cover it later, but there's um, a slew of classes you need to take before that. Um, and I know a lot of people have questions about AP and IB credit. All I have to say about that, just to keep it brief, is that check with the med schools you're applying to and check with your undergraduate university about how they handle that. A lot of people don't use their AP credit for like bio and chem just because they want to make sure they really understand it before um, they take the MCAT or go to med school, especially if you like barely got the credit. But I do know that some of us are using that credit because you are confident in the fact that um, you, you kind of got it under control. But depending on your confidence level with every subject, um, I recommend talking to your advisor and figuring out do you want to skip it and use your credit or there's nothing wrong with not using credit. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, I'm wasting the credit. No, you're not. You're going into the class with a good foundation in it and it'll be easier for you to get an A and four point that class. So Isha, um, it would be great if you could go over what the general hard science and math classes are that you need to take um, the four years. Yeah, for sure. So I can just, I'm just going to talk about the general four-year schedule that any pre-med student would have, not taking into account AP credits. So of course, if you have AP credits, talk to your advisor, look into this more carefully. But generally, if you're coming in as a pre-med, um, your first year, your freshman year, you're going to be taking Chem 1 and 2 with Chem Labs. Um, and sometimes they're, um, the labs are in the chem classes and sometimes you have to take them separately. So make sure you check on that. And then you're gonna be taking a statistics class and then a calc class. And then for your sophomore year, you'll be going into Orgo. So you'll be taking Orgo one and two with Orgo lab and then bio one and two with bio lab. And again, these might be incorporated into the class or they might be separate. So just check on that. And then the last um, science class for sophomore year would be physics one and two. And again, this also has a lab requirement. And then for junior year, you're gonna start your biochemistry classes. So your biochemistry class, your physio class and your anatomy class. And one quick tip about biochemistry. So biochemistry is a class that has a really heavy course load and it takes up a lot of work. Um, so one thing that I would definitely recommend is if you can take this over the summer, um, maybe before your junior year, this will just um, ensure that you are able to put in the the time and effort that you need in order to succeed in this class because um, biochemistry does go over a lot of really important concepts that you're going to need in med school and for the rest of your pre-med journey. So 
you, you're going to want to put in a lot of time. And then um, just during the summer, it'll be one of your only class or your only class. So you'll be able to focus all your time into it rather than um, during the school year when you might have four or five other classes and you might not have time to um, dedicate to biochem. And then uh, lastly, senior year, pretty much you're just going to do your own thing senior year you know, finish up your major requirements, do whatever you need in order to graduate. So this might also be finishing minor requirements. Um, and then just for the MCAT really quickly, I want to talk about what you need. So of course, these aren't formal rec formal requirements, but these are highly recommended classes that you would want to take before you start studying for the MCAT. So you're going to have your chem requirements, so inorganic, organic, and biochem, and then biology with lab, so two semesters of biology, and then two semesters of physics with lab, and then a psychology introduction class, and then a introduction to a sociology class. Awesome, Isha. Um, I think it's really good how you don't need to stick to this rigid schedule. I know that for a lot of people, this is overwhelming. Some people might even need to take five years to do all of these things. Some people might need to take three years, you know, to do all of these things, depending, like she said, on the credit. I know a lot of my friends in um, pre-med um, peers, per se, are taking physics this summer, too. Um, I have heard of a lot of people taking physics and biochem over the summer. Um, I personally am taking bio, so I don't want to get too into detail of what everyone's taking, but just know, it's not a rigid plan like in high school where you're like, you have to take this freshman and sophomore year. It's up to you. It's up to your advisor. You just have to plan ahead. Um, Vigi, I know um, we haven't really touched on prereqs very much, but there are a lot of classes you need to take before you take certain classes, and I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So um, Isha mentioned like a lot of the different courses that you need to be taking before the MCAT and before you matriculate into med school, but just remember that there's usually kind of an order to them. So generally, general chemistry or inorganic chemistry, whatever your school calls it, will be a prerequisite for organic chemistry. So that's why you always start with that freshman year. Or if you have credit and you decide to use it, then you only then would you go into organic chemistry. And then um, biochemistry usually requires both organic chemistry and biology as a prereq. So that's why it usually comes later in the pre-med course sequence. So obviously this may differ a little bit university to university, but those are generally um, pretty basic prereq rules. So make sure when you're planning your schedule, making that four-year plan with your advisor, you're making sure that you will cover all those prereqs in time. Also, if you're going to be taking classes like physiology and anatomy and other upper level biological classes. I know a lot of people at MSU take immunology or histology, but that again varies with what you want to do. But generally bio, like just one, like the intro level bio will be a prerequisite for that. So make sure you again plan accordingly. So this is just to make sure that your schedule actually works. And then um, another thing you want to look at is fall only, spring only classes. So some universities will only offer a specific course in the spring and some will only be offered in the fall. So when you're trying to work out that for your plan with an advisor, those are also things that you want to check up on to make sure that you meet all your requirements on time in a, um, in a good fashion. And also when we come to timeliness, you need to think about what it is that you want to apply to med school. So if you don't want to take a gap year pretty much right after your junior year or your third year you 
need to start applying. So the application usually opens May 1st and then it's open throughout the summer. And generally it's like most med schools do like a rolling application basis. So they say you can apply anytime, but generally earlier is better. You definitely want to get them out of the way. Like you don't be waiting until October to submit. And so that means you'd want to have your MCAT taken before the time that you apply, which means you also need to get a lot of those courses out of the way as well. I know this sounds like a lot at once, but it's just good to kind of get an idea of what you want to do so that you're able to plan accordingly. If you do want to take a gap year, then you would actually start applying right after graduation. And then you would want to be doing some kind of activity during that gap year while you apply so that you can continue to boost your application. And then um, one other thing that you need to think about when making your plan is university requirements and your specific like major and college requirements. So most universities in the United States are going to have some kind of university-wide requirement. Like if you're a science major, you definitely are still going to have to take English classes, humanities classes, and things like that. And so that, again, will vary greatly based on where you go. But And generally, like advisors and upperclassmen are great people to talk to about those things. So you want to make sure that you are hitting all of those requirements, because obviously in college, we're not just here to study science. We're trying to get, you know, a broad perspective. And so we want to make sure that we hit those specific requirements. I know at MSU specifically in Lyman Briggs, we have like history, philosophy, and sociology of, of science classes that we have to take, but that won't be the same at every university. So that's just something that you want to look out for. Vigi, I like how you mentioned that this seems like so much as for, for a freshman to listen to, but seriously, guys, coming up to your junior year like that's only three years away you know in a blink of an eye this is all done and it's so important for you to plan ahead so you don't have to, to waste any semesters year money time um, into making sure you take these classes and something I just want to briefly mention is you need to it's so important to have all these classes planned ahead so right away you can go and um enroll for those classes because the faster you enroll for classes the better your preference is so people don't take your spot in class so I know Vigi just ended off by saying it's good to get a broad education we're not just going to school for the sciences so something a little bit more holistic um, that some people like to take part in is foreign languages and I know Ambika is really into foreign languages so um, can you tell us a little bit about um, foreign languages Ambika? Yeah, thanks, Lasia. So as you guys may know, I mentioned a few episodes ago, I'm um, pursuing a Spanish minor. So I just wanted to highlight some things that might be confusing while scheduling and balancing your foreign language class and your science classes. So when I came in, I actually came in with eight credits for Spanish because of AP Spanish. So I was really psyched because I thought that this would... Um, like my minor would be done so quick. I thought I was halfway done with the minor already. But after doing a little bit of research, I realized that for the minor to begin, it needs to begin in upper level classes and the AP exam only gives you credit for the entry classes. So you just have to make sure that the foreign language minor can even still be part of your plan because like Vigi mentioned earlier, there's so many things that you have to do as a pre-med and it's really hard to balance everything. So luckily I found room for these Spanish classes and hopefully we'll finish my minor soon. But yeah, I just wanted you guys to, I wanted to advise you guys to check with advisors and Specifically, you can check with an advisor from the foreign language department and they can help um, help you make your schedule. 
And another thing I wanted to touch on is study abroad. I know lots of us imagine us studying in Greece or France or Paris over the summer or during the semester. And it seems like such a great option, such a great opportunity. You can experience a new culture while learning. So I just wanted to highlight that some med schools actually don't prefer you to take your core science classes abroad. So like Lassia was talking about physics and biochem. I wouldn't recommend taking those classes abroad. Medical schools prefer these requirements to be taken in the US, but don't let this deter you. You can still definitely study abroad. Like I plan, I hope to be, if the pandemic works out next summer, be in Spain studying for my minor and finishing my minor out in Spain. So you can take your gen ed, you can take foreign language classes, your humanities, you can take anything but except steer away from the science classes abroad. Um, I think it's really awesome how, Ambika, you're taking part in foreign language classes. I know I was super passionate about Spanish in high school, and I'm so jealous that you get to continue it, but, like, for my career goals and aspirations, um, doing a business minor just seemed a little bit more fit. So sometimes in college, when it comes to taking classes, it's a little give and take, right? You can't take every single thing you want to take. If you can, kudos to you. I'm just not in the position to do so. So... Now that you have more of a general overview of what your next four years or three years or whatever is going to be like, I want to get a little personal here and share some personal advice we have to scheduling because we did go through our freshman years and it was amazing, but there's a lot of things I didn't expect to happen, especially when it came to scheduling. And I want everyone to share a piece of advice, but my piece of advice for anyone scheduling classes is I don't remember if you I don't know if you guys listened to the episode about exercise, but in high school, I would be totally fine waking up at 5am working out doing everything. I was like, we'd be at school at 730. And I'd be so ready to go. But so in college, I was like, Oh my God, so great. I want to get all these 8 a.m.s and 8.30 a.m. So my day can be over by noon. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be able to wake up for them, early start, early finish. But let me tell you, it was a terrible idea. It was such a nightmare. I could barely get out of bed every single morning. So mind you, you don't, you not only have to go to class, you have to commute to class, whether that's taking a bus or whatever. And thankfully, my classes weren't too far. I think it was like a 10 minute walk or like, one bus ride over but it was very difficult to wake up at 8 a.m for an 8 a.m class at you know 7 30 or some people might even need to wake up at 7 for them and it was hard to pay attention in class and i just dreaded it and i was tired the entire day so what i want you guys to take away from what i just said is your circadian rhythm in college and high school is so different keep in mind you don't go to bed on like time when you're in college. It's always socialization. You're always with your friends. There's clubs, there's studying. There's so much to do. Your life is going to be so different. And take that into account when um, you're scheduling the times for your classes. You know, it's inevitable, you know, almost to be stuck in an 8 a.m. at least once a semester. It's not the worst thing ever. It's just if you can get a later class, get a later class. Um, who, who else has something to say, a uh, piece of advice? Oh, Lassie, I just want to say, like, when you're talking about the 8 a.m.s, like, for you guys, like, that don't know, Lassie and I were actually roommates um, freshman year, and I know we were both struggling to get out of bed, like, because I had a lot of early classes as well. Our alarms would be ringing nonstop. We'd both be, you know, yelling at each other from our beds to get up, and it's, it's definitely a struggle. We made it through, but like Lassie said, definitely know what you can handle. 
I think it's so funny that um, Vigi mentions that. And you know how I said some people get up at 7, some people get up at 7.30 before 10 a.m. Like, or 8 a.m. There were t- like, Vigi would always look so good going to class. But so many times I would go to class dead ass in my pajamas. I would, like, brush my teeth. My hair would be in the same messy bun that I went to sleep in freaking pajamas on and in class so you don't really want to be me I'm not the greatest example of this but Vigi why don't you tell our um, listeners about some of your more productive tips when it comes to scheduling uh-huh. you're flattering me too much about how I go to class but um so true, so- <laughs> something that I want to talk about is um, making sure that you plan extracurriculars you know, time for extracurriculars into your schedule. So something that I really like to do is to try to get a day off in the week, preferably Fridays for me. That's also um, how it worked out pretty much every semester so far. I've had Friday off and I will have Fridays off as well. Um, Next year, I even have Monday off um, in fall. And the reason I really like that is because then you can have time to go like do volu- like volunteer at you know a hospital or you know maybe a homeless shelter or whatever um you know activity that you choose to do you have those large chunks of time that you're able to do that or say that you're doing research generally having you know two or three hours in your schedule as a chunk of time to go there is better than just having like you know an hour between so i think that was something that I preferred. I also liked to stack up my classes in one day and so that way I could, you know, finish them off and crank them out. And so that was just something that I recommended. So even though I always had Fridays off, my Fridays were actually always packed because I would volunteer, I'd go to research, I would put my advising appointments or any other meetings that I had on Fridays. And so I would utilize those day offs, but I liked having them that I could reserve for my other activities. That's what I mean. She is super productive and don't let her ever say she isn't. But in all seriousness, um, it is so hard being a pre-med because it's not only all the hard classes that we went over, but you do need to meet these extracurricular requirements. And if you do have the pleasure of having those days off or those chunks of times off, you know, sometimes it's so tempting to just take a nap, um, but really um, try to schedule, you know, your volunteering, shadowing, and research. You know, those are the three main components we always talk about into your schedule, but always, you know, you need to have time for yourself, and I want Ambika to kind of talk about how she works in having time for herself into her schedule. Yeah, so Lasio, you mentioned earlier about in high school wanting to wake up at 5 a.m. and work out, and like, we all love that. Like fitness is so important, but you're right. In college, it's really hard to get up at 5 a.m. before your 8 a.m. class and work out. So I just want to talk about making a schedule and sticking to it. So you don't have to wake up at five to work out, but like, let's say you're mentioning different chunks of time. You can plan a workout or something else during that chunk of time, but don't blow it off because it'll disrupt your entire schedule. Like, for example, if Vigi had Fridays off, and if she put research, volunteering, and working out in the schedule, it'd be important to meet all three because then she would just not be able to work out for the rest of the weekend. So I think it's really important to just stick to your schedule and keep yourself accountable. Awesome. And I know it's that looks different for everyone. And like I said, some days you'll have 8 a.m., some days you'll have 11 a.m., but I do really think it's helpful to kind of have somewhat of a steady wake-up schedule, somewhat of a steady take-care-of-yourself schedule, and somewhat of a steady night schedule. So to round out our discussion on advice on schedules, I want Isha to chime in and let us know what her tip is. Yeah, so 
For me, my biggest tip and the biggest thing that I did that I'm so thankful that I did was before entering college, you know, the summer before, and actually I did this right before my student orientation, I looked at all the majors and minors and I chose a couple of majors that I thought I would really want to do. And what I did was I looked at all the course requirements, I compared my AP, um, AP credits and I kind of made a really rough but um, sort of accurate four-year plan for myself so which classes I would be taking in each semesters and and this took into account every single class for my major and every single class in my minor and what this allowed me to do is first of all be 110% sure that I was going to take every single class throughout my four years and graduate um, with with my major and minor, but this also kind of just gives you a baseline and it allows your advisor to also give you some advice because, for example, I didn't know about all the specific prereqs, so then my advisor was able to go in and kind of clean up my schedule and make it look a lot better, but um, this really helped me because now I know exactly which classes I'm going to be taking, so it's not just like a jumble in my head. It's all um, neatly written out in an Excel sheet, and um, I would just definitely recommend this because you're just going to, it's going to feel so much better knowing where you're going and not just like kind of guessing and checking as you go. Yeah, Isha, I think it's really awesome to have that specific, like for your major and for your minor, how am I going to layer those both in and make a schedule? I know a lot of people are like, you don't need to have a major and minor picked out. But I'm going to be real here. I think all of us did going into college have an idea of what our major and minor were going to be. And that is really helpful, especially if you're trying to um, finish in time and things like that. But you know, you can always talk to your advisors and try to figure that out. And it's not a big deal if you don't um, have that all figured out. And you know, I hope you guys enjoyed our episode today about scheduling. I know our DMs have been kind of blowing up with a lot of questions about um, scheduling and whatnot. So, you know what? If you guys have any other questions, make sure to DM us. And anyone else, ladies, have anything else to say? Yeah, Lassia, you just talked about um, having a minor or major in your mind before you came to college. So I just wanted to share that when I was entering college, I planned to be a biochem major. I was biochem all the way. I was so excited for it. But after meeting with an advisor first semester, I realized there were so many other requirements added to the biochem major that were so restrictive. So I ended up changing my major to human bio. So I wanted to just share with the audience that it's totally okay to change your major for something that works better for your schedule. You don't have to be boxed into what you originally picked if it, um, if it makes your schedule harder and it makes your college experience worse. I just wanted to share that little piece of advice. Of course, of course. And it's just, it, I think what I meant to say by that, it's okay to change your mind, but I think it's good to have a rough estimate of where you're headed, especially if your major and minor have very specific classes. And like, you know, some people come in not knowing whether they're I don't know, business or pre-med. And it would be a little helpful knowing that, but I know not everyone has the luxury and clarity to know what they want to be. Um, anyone else? Yeah, um, what I just wanted to say real quick is um, try to not tell an advisor that you're undecided because what they'll make you do is throw you into a bunch of like random classes so you can like discover what you want to do. And for some people, if they if you have no idea, this is really helpful, but if you know that you want to go into a pre-health field, you just don't know a specific major, don't say undecided. Just say that, you know, you want to be, you know, a pre-health, some kind of pre-health major, and then, um, so at least you can start cranking out the basic requirements that are going to be for almost every major, like your chemistry, your biology, and things like that. Also, me personally, like, I 
came into college knowing that I wanted to major in nutrition, but I ended up um, adding a second major, human biology. I changed one of my minors. And so like all of that is okay. Like that kind of, you know, smaller fluctuation, like the way that I'm switch bio, human bio, they're both still, you know, science majors that will fit a lot of pre-med requirements. But I would say have like a general idea of what you want to do the smaller changes are inevitable and they're going to happen, but try, like, I would say don't come in and just say purely undecided because you don't want to waste your time taking a bunch of classes that you have no interest in. Yeah. I'm so happy that you mentioned that, Vigi, because I definitely felt like during student orientation, because I had like that structured plan, my advisor didn't just shove me into all of the um, like the normal freshman courses. She actually um, worked with me a little bit more and created a more personalized schedule with me. And then, um, Vigi, how you were saying that you came into college and then you added a major. I know we both did something similar, and I just wanted to say that with our four-year plans, we were able to look at all of our classes and then compare classes with other majors and realize that a lot of our classes are actually very similar. So we only needed a few more classes, like two or three more classes to add another major. And that was, of course, totally worth it. And same goes with your minor. You might realize that, oh, so-and-so classes are going to be um, similar for both your major and minor. So then you don't end up taking too many classes and you, you're working as efficiently as possible and graduating as early as you can. Absolutely. And I'm really glad that we discussed that just because I know the words major and minor seem so defining and heavy, but realistically, they aren't really going to define your career in any other way. All major and minor is are just a little bit more specified areas of what you want to study, even though, you know, I might be nutrition and Ambika might be human bio. The classes we take are mostly similar. It's just a couple electives here and there that are different, just like one to echo what Isha had to say. And I know that is overwhelming for freshmen. So, you know, this is a very organic discussion and I'm glad we got to have it. Um, you know, we aren't, this is like a podcast. It's completely off script. So that's why at certain times, you know, some of us are like, we want to say something that we didn't plan to say before. So if you kind of ex like realize that we're a little all over the place sometimes, that's why we just have so much we want to share. And um, sometimes it's, it's hard to make it all concise. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning back into the pre-med perspectives. Um, if you have any specific questions, our DMs are always open, especially if you're going to MSU. Speaking of Instagram, if you don't know already, our handle is at b.premed.perspectives. And we can't wait to see you next Friday. Thank you, guys.